Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we discuss music of many, many forms. Sometimes those forms involve both jazz and hip-hop and rock. And we're going to do all those because we're talking about the roots. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. And this is Tyler. And once again, this week we are talking about The Roots. And how did everybody feel about listening to The Roots? I'm going to start with Tyler. Real good. Roots are some quality stuff, man. They because, have they have a uh, lot of stuff. Well, their sound kind of, I mean, it, it. I what I found was that it shifts over time, but it kind of does it subtly to where if you listen to Roots albums that are like, three or four albums separated there's dramatic differences but as it goes mm. along there's not like crazy dramatic differences sometimes sometimes it's just kind of subtle and i like it i and feel it's like whoa look at where we came i feel like they they do make shifts but like you said they are subtle but they hold the reason that it's kind of subtle is because they kind of hold uh, a lot of the elements that they start with throughout so like there are changes but they always kind of hold the same kind of structure that they did from the very beginning um, to some degree, especially yeah. because they have uh, the two very consistent members of the group who we will discuss, yes. of course. Um, obviously, other members, quite a few other members, but those two are kind of the primary ones. So, Jared, how did you feel about The Roots? It did not resonate with me very much. Uh, it was, I liked the later albums more when it kind of, they be, kind of became more complete uh, thematic albums maybe um and i liked a few uh songs but overall i was not uh super into it yeah i well you're not already kind of inherently into jazz that's true you're not big on jazz instrumentation just in general that's true so i knew that do you want more which is not their debut but kind of their debut i don't know i have a hard time uh including or organics because of the fact that it was kind of self-released, mm-hmm. didn't really, you know, garner a lot. This was this was more of their uh, major label debut when they kind of had like a, a fully fleshed out album. But I kind of knew that one was not gonna work for you. What do you think was? Um, what do you think it was that made it so they did not stand out as much as perhaps other hip hop that we have covered over the years? Hmm. Um, do you think it's a lack of singles? I know you're you're you n- you tend to gravitate towards singles, not necessarily so. because uh, like uh, Aesop Rock, he doesn't really have that many singles, and I was able to enjoy that stuff. Sure, I think maybe I don't. I'm not as interested lyrically uh, in the roots, and then like the music, I wasn't super into either, and mm-hmm. even like the flow of it, it was just kind of not. Like, I wasn't super into it, I guess. Sure. So, uh, I liked some of the um, samplings, some of the, like, interlude kind of things that were done on the albums. That's what made me enjoy the albums more Mm -hmm. is kind of like, you know that you're listening to an album, not just a collection of songs. Right. Um, I I, like. I would take a swing that you, because you said the later albums. Is it Game Theory that stood out to you? Um, Or was it Undone? Because I would have to imagine it was probably one of those two. Because those are the ones that have a little bit more of a flow to them. Um, what you the were discussing. The first like, album that I uh, really like started to enjoy was uh, the Phrenology, probably. Yeah. like That, that was the good. beginning of, um, like, okay, this is an album that I can get into. Sure. There's some stuff from like earlier stuff. I liked uh, the end of the couple albums where it was the... Uh, basically female sex poetry that was pretty interesting oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh well they put they put poetry at the end of phrenology as well yes but it was yeah. not female or sex yes it was just like i liked uh the exclamation point song uh on phrenology that was kind of like okay this is something different you know was like the, was that the punkier thing yeah they did? it was yeah, like yeah. A, like 20 second punk track basically right but like like that was where it kind of became more of a experimental album like kind of stuff whereas the sure it was 
they were being experimental on the earlier albums, sure. but it was jazz experience uh, experimentation that I really wasn't as interested in. I would say, I mean, there's a pretty good uh, line that you could draw really with their first four kind of major albums. I feel like Do You Want More is like more of their jazz album. Uh, Illadelph Half-Life, is that right, Tyler? Is the pronunciation is Illadelph? Mm-hmm. So I thought. That's more of their like kind of tr- boom bap kind of style of hip hop. Uh, Things Fall Apart is really their neo-soul-based one, and then Phrenology is more of just kind of an amalgamation of many other things. It's just um, kind of an e- electronic experimental stuff moving in. Right. There's a little bit of rock. There's a little bit of pop. There's a little bit of just yeah. standard hip-hop, and obviously bits of kind of all the other things that they had done up to that point. Well, all the instrumentation they had built on prior to Phrenology is still in Phrenology, you know? That's true. Uh, so we can go ahead, kind of get into uh, just kind of generally speaking who the Roots are. Yes. Uh, so the primary members of the Roots, of course, are Black Thought and Questlove. Those are the two who kind of started out in the group and have been kind of the biggest mainstays of the group. There are others, of course, who have been a part of the group, um, both lyrically, vocally, and instrumentally. Um, but I think those are kind of the two names that people recognize the most. Because really, Black Thought, of course, is kind of uh, really the two of them are kind of co-leads. But obviously, Black Thought is the MC of the group, and um, not only does Questlove do the drumming, which is kind of what people know him most for, he also does pretty much most of the production work. Right. Um, so a lot of the instrumental choices are not just him doing the percussion; it's also him deciding kind of what the style of the music is. Uh, to some degree. And of course, uh, we'll get to it later in a little bit more depth, but most people today probably know them from playing with Jimmy Fallon. Correct. Yes. So I think that there are tons and tons and tons of people who have never listened to a root song, but have definitely seen them on live, like Jimmy Fallon's show. Yeah. Uh, like that's, it, that's kind of interesting. The idea that millions of people have seen this band, but yeah. like this, almost the same amount of millions do not know any songs. Right. It's interesting. Right. Well, other than the ones that are played on the show, which are minimal. Yeah. Right. Probably the worst thing they've ever done, really. <laughs> Just because you don't like Fallon. Well. I mean, I think. For good reason. Well, I, I it's funny because I don't necessarily love his style of approaching because he's obviously more of a YouTube kind of funny guy where he's looking more for like kind of the clips that you'd put on that rather than what Late Night usually was. Um, but I do like what the roots do on there, but again, we'll kind of get there later. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the primary, uh, purpose, I guess, of them as a group. Tyler, did you have kind of a point where things started to stand out for you? Cause I feel like, uh, for the majority of people, it's things fall apart. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's where you land on things. Uh, it depends. I I didn't like. I enjoyed all of the albums, and I liked every like everything that I heard. Mm-hmm. I just could hear stylistic changes that were more evident of the period up until a certain point. I guess is what I could say. So on, do you want more? I found that that was clearly. I mean, I could tell that that was an early '90s album. Yeah, yeah. It had a lot of the the feels that we are aware of in East Coast hip hop and stuff of the early '90s. The additional instrumentation is really good and very interesting, and it makes it different, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Illadelph Half-Life was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I liked that album as well, and I knew things fall apart. I already knew that it was uh, like the album that people looked at. You know what I mean? I knew that it was the big album right. that people thought was is like their breakthrough and this or that. So I think I kind of went into that already thinking it, and it's a pretty good album. I really enjoy it, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't. I don't. Th- for me, it didn't stand out like super. I guess it did stand out kind of differently because uh, the message resonated with me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The title resonated with me because it's the title of that album is taken from the title of a book by Chinua Achibe, which is a book I've actually had to read for class. I had to read two of his books actually. I did not know that for class as a history major. So the context of it, I guess. And then also some of the stylistic changes all played into one thing. So I guess it would be, I mean, I guess if you really, if I really had to think about it, it would be the part where I noticed something 
about the music kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I, I think it was because I already had a little bit of knowledge and understanding of like where some of the stuff came from, some of the ideas that they were throwing out. Sure. I think if I were to just listen through to everything and just kind of think about musically where something changes and stands out to me, it would be phrenology. I could, it, that makes sense as well. Uh, I think that the reason that I kind of defaulted to thinking that you would gravitate towards things fall apart is not necessarily just because of the fact that it is kind of considered their magnum opus uh, to some degree, but also because of, I guess, the um, the time period of the music, because mm -hmm. I, I found w one of the most interesting things, because I didn't even realize that it was this collaborative as it was, but I had never really heard of the Solquarians um, kind of aspect of the roots. Uh, I'm not sure how much you guys looked into it, but really it was just kind of the Neo soul collective of the late nineties to early two thousands. So they were all kind of recording in the same area, um, like the same studio. And it was a lot of different people who we would be familiar with that was in that Neo soul, uh, type of music, big names being one that Tyler is a big fan of being D'Angelo. Um, yep. Eric Abadu was a part of it as well. Uh, Jay Dilla, the producer, was involved in it. Of course, again, the Roots were a part of it. And then other members uh, kind of uh, were associated with it. So, like, uh, Talo Kweli was a part of it, which means that Most Def also would kind of appear in some of the Roots music. Common was also a part of this kind of um, era of music that was all kind of coming up at the same time. And so the during this period of time, uh, the studio was called Electric Lady Studios. The album um, Things Fall Apart was recorded at the same time as D'Angelo's Voodoo and Erica Badu's Mama's Gun. Mm -hmm. So both albums I own are just phenomenal. Oh, and also um, and Commons like Water for Chocolate, which is also worth mentioning. All of those were really recorded at the same time, and so. To a degree, from my perspective, Things Fall Apart was also influential because a lot of those albums um, had kind of the momentum that came from The Roots as well, since they were kind of a mainstream breakthrough at that point. So we probably wouldn't have seen as much people gravitate towards things like um, D'Angelo or Erica Badu, who had both of their albums are highly, highly praised. Uh, I had not really seen that Common's album was as highly praised, but I do think that it's considered one of his better works. So that's kind of, I guess, where I was really interested in a lot of what was going on with Things Fall Apart because it is very rooted in Neo Soul, as was a lot of other things uh, or other, other members who were associated with that album and kind of um, made the album sound the way that it did. Yeah, I was aware of D'Angelo's uh, presence as well in that in the scene and in collaboration with the Roots, and so it, it, I mean the fact that that all happened all at the same time makes a lot of sense and kind of puts it into a certain type of perspective. Mm -hmm. I guess part of it is really for me. I think what it is is I'm already familiar with that type of stuff. I already enjoy that stuff. I'm already a big fan of D'Angelo. I've already I own Mama's Gun. That's a good album. Mm -hmm. You know, these are things that I, that I had already heard of and listened to. So I guess when that when that album came about in terms of listening, um, it's not that I didn't like it. I enjoyed it, and I noticed, like I said, I noticed a shift in this or that. But it just Did it feel didn't familiar. Maybe it just was seemed like this is oh yeah, this is uh, something that a little bit like what I've heard before. I guess yeah. part of it too. I will have to admit that Phrenology is my favorite Roots album, and a big part of it is probably because. It's their the first album of theirs I ever listened to, and I was ah. beyond impressed with that album when I heard it. I was like, "This is sure. amazing! This album is so good." And I it's the only one I own on vinyl as well, which just sound makes it sound better. Yeah. So you know, I think I all week I looked forward to listening to to Phrenology, and it yeah. may have over overdone some of the other stuff, but I did. I mean, I did notice definitely a difference on things fall, fall apart and i knew it was going to be good and it didn't let me down you know it wasn't like i knew it was going to be good and i was looking forward to it and thought this is supposed to be a good album i like the cover of it i like the idea of a lot of this stuff and oh it just wasn't didn't quite hit the way i wanted it to mm. I, it just didn't it just i was just looking forward to other things right that makes sense i mean it also makes sense if that was kind of your introduction to their music mine was things fall apart because 
uh, I knew that it was a, a pretty big album, and I had never... I mean, I was aware of The Roots. I've been aware of The Roots for a long time. Jared can speak to how we first heard of The Roots musically. Perhaps you added a song that is related to Do the you Roots. think that's how we first heard it? I thought I would, that we knew that to, song before. I would have to guarantee it was the first time we had heard that no, song. No, I'm pretty sure I knew uh, that song. I, I the, the, the Seed 2.0. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the music video for it okay. uh, on like MTV or something like that. Okay. And I liked that song. Uh, and we'll talk about it later maybe. I don't know if now is a good time. But, sure. Uh, but yeah, I really don't know. I literally, I mean, I th- don't think I knew any other song that we listened to uh, this week besides The Seed 2.0 other than... The song "Here I Come," which I think is in some kind of a commercial or something, because is it? I don't. Is that the one with Most Def? N- no, Most Def is not on it. Um, it is uh, featuring Dice Raw and Malik B. Um, oh, okay, that's from one of the. Is that from? Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember where that was at. That's from Game Theory from okay. two thousand and six. Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like. Dice Raw is... I um, thought it was a more recent song, and I thought that's why it would be in a commercial. Right. But uh, will you just play a little bit of it just to see if it uh, kicks some kind of... Um, uh, memory for Memory. For, like, see if it, you recognize it, or if maybe I just kind of recognize it from something. No, that's fine. I mean, I know which song it is now that I'm looking at it, but yeah. Well, Do you know the sound of it, though? So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hold on. Oh. I feel like it was probably on like a NBA 2K album uh, uh, game. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's got kind uh, of that like uh, that driving. I, kind I of just feel. tried. I googled to see what if it was in a commercial and nothing popped up. Usually, something pops up. So I don't know. I don't know why I know that song, but I'm not sure. It, it piqued my interest because I was like, I know this song, and it's also it's pretty good. Yeah, it is a good song. It uh, so uh, Dice Raw and Malik B are former members of the roots um sure. dice raw was a shorter duration i would say uh malik b who passed away um was a little bit longer and was a little bit more prominent of a vocalist in the roots uh but both of them continue to collaborate with the roots throughout you know their career you can see even dice raw was on one of their more recent albums undone so like um they have kind of kept a lot of the people they've collaborated with what yeah. Dice Raw is kind of more of a continual collaborator as compared to a member almost. I know? agree. Like, honestly, some of the, it's kind of difficult because when you look into like the membership of the roots, it's just like a rotating door of people. It really is. Some people are in there as continual collaborators, but they're not necessarily like official members, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people uh, leave the band to go be part of Incubus. Uh, <laughs> that is, that's true. That is, a, that is the thing that happens sometimes, which is. Still one of the strangest things that a Roots member was like, I'm going to be the base of Incubus now. I feel like the... uh, I would leave the Roots for Incubus, I'm just saying. I feel like the... Which one do you think is better? Connection with... um, We know the answer. I know. I feel like the connection with Fallon kind of makes it interesting because the people that are on Fallon every night are the same people, whereas historically with the Roots, they have different... Seems like different and stuff. Sure. So, But it's like when you are on a show every night... You kind of uh, like learn to like the character traits and uh, comedic uh, aspects of various people on the show. So, sure. for instance, uh, I don't know really anything about the roots other than the members we mentioned before: sure. Questlove and uh, Black Thought. But uh, James Poiser, yeah, the keyboardist guy, there it is. that does the uh, face, uh, it, that is great. I, look, I watched several clips of that to remember. It's, that it's so actually, good. It's pretty funny. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I love, if you look at his Wikipedia page, he has an also known as. I love looking at that because some of these names are the most amazing. They're pretty great. He is also known as, I don't want any trouble. I just want to get paid. I got to eat. Make sure I get credit for this. Y'all going to pay me, right? And then uh, downtown Jimmy Brown was his. <laughs> That's, those are some really long names that I'm sure most people probably don't know him by. True. I love that. That's pretty interesting. Did you see he was born in their near whoops, sorry. Near you're good. Go ahead. Did you see their near Exodus from Fallon? 
I read about that. It is amazing. I, it that, is. It's pretty good, isn't I, it? I, uh, so uh, a uh, political uh, person. Uh, Michelle Bachman. Yeah, Michelle Bachman was on the show. Mm-hmm. Tyler, you want to tell the tale? I'll, do, I'll tell the tale. So uh, she was a congresswoman at the time who was also a presidential candidate. She's a Republican Party member from uh, Minnesota. And she, her district was representative of St. Cloud and a lot of the Twin Cities suburbs. So it would be areas that, you know what I mean? It's kind of, I mean, I'll just, it's just kind of an air, a gerrymandered potentially, you know, somewhere where they've drawn a district around clear suburban lines. Kind yeah, of yeah. 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 So he comes on the show. And I guess at this point in time, this was in November of 2011. And at this point in time, which I find really interesting, uh, I guess it wasn't common for networks to screen the music that the band was going to play throughout the course of the show. I wouldn't people- have expected that, honestly, when I saw that. I was like, they don't screen that? That's what I was like, what? So <laughs> so when she came in for her entrance song, The Roots played a snippet from a 1985 song by Fishbone called Lying Ass Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually they had to, like Fallon had to apologize. Questlove had to apologize as a representative for the band and then the network and i guess from that point on is when the network's just like we are gonna start screening every single song that we play yeah it's funny that, too, that was like 2011 that was like two years deep at that point because if i remember right fallon took over in 2009 and then mm-hmm. he moved up to a higher role by like 2014 the um, roots were became his band in 09 for late night which was david letterman's old, old show right and then when he became the Tonight Show host in 2014, they just moved with him to the Tonight Show. Right. Um, but yeah, it's funny too. We're gonna keep lingering on Fallon at different points. I'm sure. Yeah, just I keep mean, coming up. Um, so sad. Fallon is <laughs> Fallon. Fallon's odd because Fallon's one of the few late night hosts uh, these days who will allow like Republicans to come on. Yes. Like he was the one. He had Ted Cruz on. He yeah. had. Donald Trump on, yes. and I don't think I could see Stephen Colbert he had Cosby uh, having a having a conversation <laughs> with Trump. Hmm? He had Cosby on. Yeah, he did have Cosby on. multiple times. He did, uh, and then eventually he last was. It took him going to prison for Fallon not to. It's yeah. very difficult. I also to, believe uh, that Fallon uh, famously disheveled the hair of Donald Trump to verify that. that it he was did. real. That's true. <laughs> he did it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. Colbert did interview Trump uh, uh, at various points uh, during the election, not the second election, but the first first election. But then the second election, because of uh, everything, the pandemic, and also everything, everything that they were not on. You, you yeah. know, like most uh, Republicans were not on late night shows because of right. like getting dis- destroyed. The basically. insanity, just like I mean, yeah, but like. I mean, it, it's, they embrace their liberal side a lot more. Yeah. It was already apparent for yes. a long time, but yes. it became a lot more apparent uh, during that period of time. The issue is, I don't want to get too. I was going to say we shouldn't get too. We shouldn't linger. Yeah, too we long, should. This is not. Say your last thought, please. The issue is, is that the, there's no. You can't like have a conversation if you don't have the people on. But at the same time, it's like they won't come on because you've been making fun of them. So it's yeah. very difficult. But yes. And I've also yeah. heard multiple people say something to the effect of like it's very hard for um, it's very hard for the right to be funny. I, I've heard people eh. argue that. I'm not saying that it's necessarily true. Um, but Most we, of the time it's gaffes. Yeah. Yeah. But I we won't linger anymore. Anyways. One, one thing I will say about Fallon is at least and this is not a political thing. This is with regards to the roots. Is that if anyone were to have a musical group as their house band, that's really good. I I will admit that I'm glad it's him because I do think he does more music based sketches than anyone else, and I think yeah. that yes. those are, that's like the only part of the Fallon show I really enjoy are the music based sketches. Really, and they do really yeah. make those like the roots. Yes, are they do. The the reason that those are so successful, like, like the uh, I think that the, other members, the children's instrument thing that they do, that's yeah. cool. Like when I they love Sesame when they do Street. That. I mean, they did a bunch. They've done a lot of them, and it's yeah. always "Call like, Me Maybe" was the most popular. That one. was a good one. But yeah, I mean, like the Roots are playing those songs with those, inst- you know, like they. It just kind of shows their talent, really. Right. Well, that was actually the where I was going to transition to next because one of the things that I think makes the Roots to go back to the Roots a little bit more uh, specifically. Uh, one of the things that make the Roots more of a interesting and uh, different hip hop group from any others is the fact that they are so band-based. 
It's not a case yeah. that there's like really I, I didn't notice a lot of like sample usage until game theory. So we're a decade in and they're not really using samples still because for the most part their music was created by them. They were yeah. creating the music. It wasn't just like loops. It wasn't just yeah. you know samples. It was them uh, even at times like kind of live performing things. Like do you want more? is a very, very, very instrumentally based album and not just a strict hip hop album. And I think right. that's what draws a lot of people to them is that a lot of hip hop groups aren't in that way so much a band based kind of performance. They're very much based in a whole lot of different kinds of, again, samples, loops, whatever you might have. So, Well, their sampling is just different anyway. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's devoid void of samplings but it's they're just different they'll use spoken word samples from sure. you know what i mean it it's it's not used as a part of the song that becomes a musical aspect it's used as a, a garnish or like some type of embellishment on some idea right. throughout the course of the song yeah so That's it's a, just a different way to that. think about it which is more like more about making statements and of course with when you have like so many members at one time yeah you know you don't really you don't need it you have enough people to fill space Oh, for so. sure. And that's that's kind of the the interesting part about the fact that there are so many members. It is hard to kind of know all of them, especially with you saying the part about them kind of being a revolving door type of uh, approach to the way that they make the music is that it is hard to notice specific members because they're all kind of doing different things. You might have a bassist or guitarist, uh, you know, someone who's doing percussion. Malik B might be doing, you know, uh, the rap portions as well. Like there's so many different, um, uh, you know, kitchens in the cook, if you will. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to notice everybody simultaneously. Plus they use a real drum kit. They do. They almost never really use. Um, I don't hear any drum machine or any. I don't hear anything in any of it. I don't believe. I couldn't even. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything either. I can't really think of when they would have used the drum machine. It wouldn't really make sense when you have like, again, Questlove is one of the big uh, members. And, and so when you have a percussionist slash producer, why would you even need to have a drum machine when he's right there to do it for you? Agreed. So I will also say that I think that uh, they have quite a few interesting um, featured artists across their discography uh, that are all kind of worth digging into outside of just the typical. Again, they've got like, you know, Dice Raw. They've got Malik B who come back uh, throughout. They have other people who come back through different albums. I know I saw um, the name is Ursula Rucker comes back quite a few times on things. Of course, again, they have a lot of the members from the Swolquarians that are part of it. Like Common is on a song. Yep. D'Angelo's on a Def. song. Most Def's on a song. Like so many different people. Um, but then there are some very odd ones that are worth mentioning. Uh, Nelly Furtado is on Phrenology. Uh-huh. Nelly Furtado? Like how did that? You know, that's so odd to me. I like some Nelly Furtado. It was 2002, so it was it was in the era of her popularity. That is true. It's it, so. there's a because the other one I, w I would like to play it uh, very very much so is when they have people that you don't expect to be doing kind of like I guess the soul hook because they do that a lot where they have like a, a vocalist who comes on and does kind of the soul vocals uh, mm -hmm. to go along with the the song uh, and Nelly Furtado wouldn't have been someone who I would have like pegged for that position but the one that definitely caught my attention the most uh, easily was uh, Joanna Newsom. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that wild? It sounded like it made sense, but it didn't make sense. Like you wouldn't have well, seen it, her being somebody who would have been on an album like that. But it, it also sounds like a sample, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's play the uh, the song is right on off of how I got over. Uh, and I think it's definitely worth hearing her performance on there. Doing a good uh, Bjork impression there. I mean, her her voice has um, always I, had a little bit I of a know. Bjork kind of uh, sensibility. It's always to it. kind of the childish situation. Yeah, but it, it, I agree, it does sound like a sample, and like because that album came out in two thousand and ten, if I remember correctly, 
And that would have been kind of a time that would have made sense for her to be associated with, you know, something in kind of a bigger realm because that was when she was a little bit more popular. But at the same time, again, like the nature of her music doesn't necessarily equate in your mind to, oh, yeah, she would totally be featured on The Roots. But at the same time, uh, she also doesn't really equate to being married to Andy Samberg. So, right. you know, she does what she wants. It's fine. Or the other way around. It's more Andy who doesn't equate. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Did anybody else have um, a featured artist that stood out to them, perhaps? Uh, I, let me look here. I had something I was just thinking. Oh, Sofian was on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's worth talking about. The Is that from Undone, right? Yeah. Which Undone, I really, that's another another one that really stood out to me because I wasn't expecting it. It makes kind of a, a bit of a change, man. It uh, it's definitely so. I don't know how much you guys looked into it, but it's their for sure most uh, conceptual album. Did mm-hmm. either of you kind of look deeper into the concept of Undone? No, a I, little bit. Yeah, I'm aware of that. It it follows a semi fictional character. So the kind of- the nature of the album of Undone is that it is a character called Redford Stevens, which is a, it's based on a Sufjan song off of Michigan. That's called Redford. Redford of course is featured again on undone in some kind of capacity here as well. It's kind of near the end. Uh, But the, the story is a reverse chronological a la memento style where um, Redford Stevens is kind of the prototypical, um, you know, urban urban kid who is growing up and ends up, you know, living a life on the streets and then dies. Uh, and so the beginning of the album uh, is his death. And then throughout the album, other events are going on. And you know where it ends because of where the beginning of the album starts. And so everything that kind of comes through it, uh, you, you kind of know where it's coming from. So like Cool On and The Other Side are two very, very cool songs off of Undone that I like a lot. Uh, and the interesting thing about those songs is that they are very kind of like warm and celebratory but it's the fact that they're contrasting the fact that you know he's gonna die uh that it's not as uh fun as it could have been if it went the other direction yeah that album is super interesting i really love the end of it it ends in in a kind of like a modern classical movement Mm -hmm. which is just super cool i wasn't expecting it at all and i I just was like this is enjoyable and it they're not long, you know, really, if you put all of them together, they constitute one song. Right. But um, I don't know. It's just really interesting. It That album definitely stood out a lot to me this week because I just wasn't expecting some of the sounds on it. And I wasn't expecting. I mean, it's also one of their most collaboration rich albums almost. I mean, the, almost right. every song has some type of collaborator on it. Big Crit is on there. And I thought that was kind of surprising. I wouldn't expect to see Big Crit, the uh, Southern hip hop artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is included on that. Of course, then you have other members like Greg Porn and Dice Raw who are pretty... Uh, yes, his name is Greg, yeah. Greg Porn. <laughs> his name is Greg Porn. Okay, I didn't name him. I'm just saying his name. <laughs> I kind of was wondering if Jared was going to bring that up anyway. I would have seen it coming. I think that uh, maybe I missed... I saw somebody named Porn, but I missed... Maybe I thought there was two different people. Pretty sure I read about Greg Porn in Butt Magazine. <laughs> Stop oh, that. Yeah. Going back to Good Bam, Bad Bam, baby. I have a, a person... Yes. An interesting... Uh, uh, Before you do, artist. one thing I want to say about Undone, oh, very, yes. very quickly, is that the only thing I didn't uh, really like about Undone is the fact that it is a high-concept album. There's a lot going on with the concept, mm-hmm. but it's not very readily apparent. So, you know, you don't listen to it and say, oh, I can see that this is a reverse chronological album about the story of, a, you know, a, a child from the, the you know, the urban life. Um, you have to, like, really, really dig into it. And it's also a very good example of, I guess, the lyrical content of what uh, Black Thought does, because he's very, um, he's very metaphorically based. He's not as um, straightforward about the way that he writes lyrics, and so it's not as easy to. It, it's not a straightforward. This is what's happening. Narrative. It's more like he's using these kind of metaphorical, imagery-based lines that don't uh, speak to a very clear concept so i like the concept i think it's cool but i don't think that it's executed as clearly as it could have been jared feature go please uh one of the more interesting ones and one that was of the one of the bigger hits that they've had is their uh a feature by dj jesse jeff mm, that's true who had uh, worked with uh will smith the Indeed. fresh prince yes mm-hmm. i was looking at uh, the roots uh discography 
and um, they do not have very many hit songs. Uh, they do not. They have technically they have two hit songs. Technically, uh, they have the song uh, "What They Do" featuring Raphael Sadiq, and the song "You Got Me" featuring Erica Badu and Eve, mm-hmm. uh, which and- is a very very good song. And it was one of it's. Pro- I mean, I would say it's their biggest hit. Uh, technically, what hit. they do is their biggest hit. It got is to it? number thirty-four, and you got me. Got to number thirty-nine. Those are the only hits. None of them went farther than. 34. Hey, they're both top forty, so they're not one-hit wonders. Correct. Uh, and Good then the, for them. The DJ Jazzy Jeff featuring Jazzy Fat Nestes. Oh my, uh, d- was not a hit uh, on Billboard, but it was a R and B number one hundred and three. Yeah, <laughs> that makes a uh, one hundred and three, baby. We're up there. That is kind of one of the the odd parts to me is that the roots are so well known, and although they did have a uh, quote unquote mainstream breakthrough, it's not as though things fall apart was like a big album and it didn't have big singles off of it. So you know, again, a lot of their popularity to keep going back to this has come from being on Fallon, but they did have popularity before then, but they've never really necessarily caught on in the hip-hop realm outside of, I guess, kind of the um, the diehard hip-hop fans that already exist. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, some of their albums have sold well. I guess that's relative, though. Like, they're, they didn't sell, like, millions and millions and millions of copies like a lot of other hip-hop artists, especially sure. because a lot of their albums that are some of their bigger albums are in the realm of, um, you know, the mid to late 90s when hip-hop was selling really well because of you know you have a, a tupac and a biggie and you know many 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 other names that i could go through but i'm not going to uh, so you know there were other artists who were selling really well while they weren't selling as well did you say they did an album with elvis costello i did it's called uh-huh. wise up ghost and uh it's a whole collaborative album funk and r&b they had yeah, a, they had another cool. one that surprised me they have the one with oh yeah, the, they had a whole album with John Legend. Oh, so you have a John Legend one and a Betty Wright album. Oh, I had that album on CD somewhere. I don't know what why I had it, but yes, I, I had that somewhere. Wake up! I did That's not. I did not listen to any of their collaborative albums, though. Uh, I would say the Elvis Costello and the Roots one is probably like uh, you know the the most unexpected of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is kind of weird. I thought that was weird when I read about it. I also thought something was weird when I read about it. Jared didn't bring it up as his collaborative, his his standout collab, which was weird because Patrick Stump had a little song that he collaborated with. Oh yeah, yeah. I, forgot, I forgot about that one. Was that on an album? No, it, it was, was supposed to be on an album, but in the weeks before the album's release, they pulled it from the album because uh-huh. it didn't fit in with the album's. Wasn't feel. Su- was it supposed to come out at Tipping Point? I'm trying. It to was supposed to be on Rising Down. Okay, yeah, it wouldn't have fit. Really, I, I mean, it wouldn't have fit on any of their albums. Did we listen to it? Uh, it wasn't on the I, thing. S- I sent it to everybody. Oh man, I missed it. Well, let's play it. Why not? Okay. Let's let's have some fun here. Yeah, I don't know if there's ever a Roots album that that would fit on. Nah. (laughs) Nah. Sounds like a Coca-Cola commercial. It does. Hey, birthday girl, it's your birthday. I didn't know. It's kind of the birthday girl part, didn't it? It was supposed to be radio friendly, so. Yeah, well, it got that down in the best way possible. It was a stellar track from a, a storied vocalist. What do you expect? <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect? Hey, we get the shit on Fallout Boy one more time for Jared. Yes. Not only does his band suck, he sucks at music he does with the roots. Can you hear me, Jared? I hear you, yes. Do you, do you hear me? Yes. Tyler, uh, I'll ask you because I don't think that you've mentioned it. Is there a song throughout the discography that really stood out to you? Or was it kind of just all... Like, like it all sounded good to you, I guess. I like water off of phrenology. And it has basically three different movements in it. 
But once the first movement is over, the second two movements are just kind of like break down electronic wild stuff. And it's pretty fun. Water is a pretty good song. I, f- I figured it would be a song off of Phrenology, which is kind of why I uh, gave you a chance to, to pick a song off of Phrenology, I suppose. So let's play a little bit of Water. <laughs> more experimental for the roots there for tyler yeah i like the experimental stuff i like all of it but i enjoy the experimental stuff because i think that they've got uh so many people in there who are good instrumentalists and good musicians that when they get the opportunity to do a lot of experimental things it really turns out well and i think it's really interesting i i think that because i think Questlove is a very good producer I think yes. that they do a very good job of um, not even just holding down a, a consistent thread within an album where it makes sense kind of where everything is coming from, but they also kind of consistently have a, a, a logical way of producing the album. So Undone is a good example of that to go back to that album because it's one of their more... Um, I guess down tempo albums to some degree. Like it's not really, really in your face throughout, whereas a lot of their other music does have a little bit more of a upfront instrumental basis. And it's because of the fact that like it is so lyrically based, it's so like conceptual that it doesn't make sense to have a lot of really loud instrumentation based out of it. Um, But they definitely, I mean, that's kind of why I said what I did at the very, very beginning is that they have, you know, rock influences they have jazz influences soul influences hip-hop influence like they bring a lot of different things into their music yeah definitely and i think that there's like that's something that just sets them apart from other groups i don't know it's hard for me to say that they're a hip-hop group even though that's what i mean the connotation is still that that's what they are you know, so if I tell someone about the roots and they don't know a lot about them and I mention it, that's still where their minds are going to go. But sure. there's so many other musical styles and like sounds and interesting things to be heard and to experience in their music that it's difficult to nail them down. Neo soul, um, even, you know, uh, hip hop, jazz, hip hop and the, like those labels are good for describing maybe moments in their career. But things really they change like in different places and they like we said a little sometimes it's a little more subtle sometimes it's a little more obvious but it's hard to nail them down collectively and i think that there's a lot of room we've said this with various different artists that we've covered there's just a lot of room to like a lot of different things in their discography and, and whether you like certain albums and aren't a big fan of other albums or even if you just like individual tracks within specific albums because of whatever specific type of sound they're going for on that or what type of musical instrumentation they use such as jared he really liked that one that had more of the rock type feel to it like there's just a lot of different room for movement in here and i think that makes it really interesting and i think it's also just a big part of what like makes them stand out i mean in that it keeps keeps them changing so you don't get as bored because you're not listening to the same album or the same song really I think one of the really good examples of that is one of their later albums is Game Theory, which we haven't spent a lot of time on. Game Theory is a really, really good album to me because uh, it, it it plays a lot of different ways. There are, you know, the the kind of typical soul-based songs. They're more of the kind of um, hard-hitting hip-hop songs. But then they also have songs that I guess are very different from their other music, which is a little bit more like of a dark kind of dim production that like isn't necessarily typical of what you expect of the roots who are more, I think kind of overall a bit more of like a, a, an upbeat hip hop group. I think that that's kind of why they fit into a Jimmy Fallon is because they've never really been too much of a, uh, not a hardcore group, not a, you know, not like really heavy in the traditional end of hip hop. 
Um, one of the songs that I thought was a lot darker than other ones that I liked a lot was In the Music. So I'm going to really quickly play that one because I think it's a little different than other things. So if you in the sightseeing, don't visit there. It's somewhere between Jersey and Delaware. Philly never scared. And them niggas ain't timid there. Them young triggers lose lives by the minute there. It might start, but the fight never finished there. They all fucked up. Try and get the gingerbread. A few stacks be the price for a nigga here. Cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians. Clips and revivers and Georges and Benjamins. A celebration of the loss of your innocence to your Old self, you lost any resemblance. They say the city make a dark impression. The youth just lost and they want direction. But they don't get the police, they get the protection and walk around. Also that that like song George also has an artist named Porn and it is different from the other porn. Yeah. Yes, two yes, two different is. porns on two different songs. Didn't it did isn't it just porn? Just porn. Yeah. Just Straight porn, porn a, baby. So I read uh, that that album was done uh, primarily on a rock band. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I thought so, too. It was very odd for them to even take that approach. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, in the 2006 kind of time period. Uh, but I feel like they didn't really need rock band to do it. Jared, did the song ever stand out more than the Seed 2.0 for you? And again, you, that sounds like that was kind of your first song that you were into for them. Uh, and again, I think that you go back to songs that you're familiar with a little bit more. So I'm just curious if anything else that like you were like, oh yeah, that's the song that like kind of trumps the seed for you. No, it's the seed 2.0. I figured, yeah. Do you want to talk about that uh, that cover now? Yes, I will talk about it. So uh, one of the uh, Punk Goes CDs from uh, the 2000s era by um, Fearless Records. They did Punk Goes Crunk, uh, which featured some interesting covers. Quite. S Say Anything did a cover of Baby I Got Your Dirty Bastard, which uh -huh. is my favorite cover probably that's ever been on a Punk Go CD. I would say you're probably right. I don't think it's there's very, any, very good. Anything better than that. Uh, Forever the Sickest Kids did uh, Men in Black, the Will Smith song. Uh, there's uh, several very good covers on this album. It might be the best Punk Goes possibly so it's it's up there uh hot rod circuit does gin and juice oh lauren drive did hey y'all that one's okay the main uh i want to love you is a very good one anyway so uh and still fly that's very good by the devil wears prada i remember one time uh, me and a friend were at a bar and uh we played that song on the jukebox and the people regular still fly or devil wears prada the devil wears prada one but the people that were there were excited because they thought it was the regular one and then once the metal kicked in, uh, they were very sad and they were yeah. confused. And you tricked them. I did. I ricked them. Um, but uh, yeah, so this uh, cover, the Seed 2.0, is by a group uh, called Person L, which features Kenny Vasoli, the lead singer of a pop punk group called The Starting Line. Uh, and this is his uh, independent music, I guess. That's what it's called, Person L. Like it's him. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, I like this cover. It's pretty good. It, when I listened to the Seed 2.0 this week, I was like, I know I know this for another reason. And then it kicked into my brain cell yeah. of this cover. And so I threw it in the playlist. And uh, I, we are now going to talk about it. I think that the reason that you would say that Punk Goes Crunk is one of the better albums is, and I could be totally wrong about this, so call me out if you'd like to, uh, a lot of the other albums are Punk Goes Pop albums, and typically pop has a little bit more of a uh, defined structure, mm -hmm. whereas hip-hop typically goes in different directions that uh, are a little bit more experimental. So when you have a bunch of uh, you know pop-punk-related bands, pop-punk-adjacent pop bands, uh, doing music that is in hip-hop realm, 
you have a lot more room to do something different. Whereas with the Pop Goes Punk albums, it's just pop punk groups doing pop music. It feels kind of like samey to what would have already existed to some degree, but sometimes gets a little bit louder. That's pretty much all that it is. So with this one, like you like Say Anything because I Got Your Money uh, is a very different hip hop song from Still Fly, which is very different from Devil Wears Prada, which is very different, which is very different from Personnel. Like there's a lot more variety that could exist within this particular album, I guess. Yes. Uh, The other thing is it's the first uh, one I ever owned. That's, That's another reason why I like I'm looking at the list of all the punk goes things and I had songs that I like downloaded onto my iPod from previous um albums. Uh actually I don't know if I had Punk Goes 90s on CD or not, but I remember liking several songs from it. But I think you had Punk Goes Acoustic 2 at one point. I don't think I ever did. Hmm. I'm looking. I had various songs from it, but yeah. Uh the I'm pretty sure the first one I ever owned is Punk uh so yeah, I mean, but like you said, the majority of them since then have been Punk Goes Pop. It's been like, they have, they're up to volume seven on Punk Goes Pop. Jesus. And they had the first one uh, in, well, the first one was in 2001, but mm-hmm. then they had the variants, uh, Acoustic 80s, 90s, Acoustic yeah. 2, Crunk, and then back to volume two. And then they've pretty much pretty stayed much punk stay- goes pop since then. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know when the seventh one would have come out, but I don't think I, I probably would have been very I think it was 2017. It. Gotcha. Because um, they did mostly that. Yeah, 17. And then the most recent one was Punk Goes Acoustic 3, which had some interesting songs, but nothing like super great. Right. So. Is there anything else that anybody uh, in particular was wanting to dig into with the roots? Tyler, Jared? Just got some fun bits other than that. Let's hear some fun bits, baby. Dave Chappelle's a big fan of the Roots. We can tell from a couple of things. One, uh, they were in Dave Chappelle's Block Party, okay. the event and the movie, the movie that was filmed and then released a couple years after the event took place. And not only did they perform their own songs as themselves, but they also acted as the backing band for some other artists who were performing. So, which is a big... It's in their if wheelhouse. Anyone, What's that? It's in their wheelhouse, apparently. It's in their yeah. wheelhouse, sure. If you people who remember Chappelle show remember that at the end of it, midpoint and end of episodes, uh, he would have musical guests that were typically like up and coming hip hop people. A lot of times it was more uh, underground or classic based. Kanye was on there really early on, um, and so the Roots are a group that makes sense for that. That leading into the next fun bit is, and you all may remember. I don't know how much you watch Chappelle, but Questlove was on a Chappelle show sketch with John Mayer. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? This was a great sketch. This is a sketch where Dave Chappelle was trying to show uh, the different things that different ethnic ethnic groups uh, dance to. There's a there's actually a, a part two of that, and it looks like uh, he also did freestyling with the Roots and Dave Chappelle on jimmy fallon at one point oh boy so uh chappelle of course would find his way into collaborating with them again later in a uh, little bit more of a bigger light if you will we should uh we should go ahead and play what makes white people dance though for a little bit see if uh if there's some funny bits in there guitar music at work now we're in a chic manhattan restaurant it's lunchtime the business crowd is here a lot of bush votes in the room let's see how the conservative <laughs> crowd acts when they hear guitar music while they're eating Jump. Play the play the fight riff. Play it. <laughs> These people are going. Look, look at him. Oh my God! Look at this. Oh! Oh my gosh! I have never seen anything like this, folks. <laughs> Enjoy your lunch, everybody. That portion did not have quest love in it, but uh, if you couldn't tell, there was a, a raucous fight that was breaking out in the midst of that uh, that pretty pretty hard guitar bit from John Mayer. I suggest you just go watch it in its entirety on YouTube and make sure that you pay Dave Chappelle for it. Yes, pay Dave Chappelle, indeed. He'll be upset if you don't. As- <laughs> That that oh, here we I go. don't want to get too here far. Here we go. That. He literally signed that contract. He did. And then later it was like, I don't like that I signed this contract. And they got me. And it's like hey. 
Like, man, come on, man got his money. Next time, man got read, his money. You gotta read your he, contract, Dave. He got his money, but it was like, like I'm gonna back out on this deal and complain about it later. He made him look like shit. Well, I he maybe was the one in the wrong in this situation. I well, I wouldn't. Just, what I'm saying is he made them look like shit. I'm yeah. not saying they were shit. Yeah. So. And then he's like, "Don't stream it until I get my money." Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like. What? Too late. I already watched it, Dave. Sorry. Silly. What was your other uh, silly, silly fun bit, Tyler? I guess that's, those were them, I guess. Just making sure you got the Dave Chappelle bit in there. Yeah, I just need to get the Chappelle in there. Of course. Of course. We don't want it to be exclusively Jimmy Fallon who gets the... That's uh, fair. Yeah. Who gets Jimmy the, Fallon the didn't find them. Okay. Chappelle no. did it first. That's true. Well, I shouldn't... He should go get his money from Fallon. Hey, that's fair. Dave could be like, hey, Fallon, you wouldn't have had the roots if it wasn't for me. Where's my money? It's true. You could have done it. It is kind of funny, too, that they're, I mean, they're from, we never talked about the fact that they're from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. True. And their music uh, and the lyrics heavily represent life in Philadelphia for them and their experiences mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. representing Philly, which is, which is good. Because when you think of, uh, I mean, when you think of East Coast hip hop artists, uh, I don't think of a whole Brooklyn. lot of people from yeah, you're really focusing on the New York realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's heavily New York, or or even just some areas around there. Right, a lot of Brooklyn, a really lot of New York City, a lot of um, Compton, of course. Or no, Compton's yep. not. No, Compton's. Okay, I got myself yes. confused for some reason. Compton. Is, it's because it's because Kendrick does songs for, about Compton, and he's from Cali. So Har, Har, it's uh, Harlem. Harlem. Harlem what are you thinking of? But yeah, they're from Philly, and that's kind of cool. And and in on the uh, on the Fallon show. They represented it as well because when the when their teams were playing in the big games. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. So they kind of did some Philly thing. So I think that's kind of cool. Philadelphia is an interesting city, I and mean, like I said, you just don't see as much stuff come out of there. So it's cool they're from there and they're yeah doing I, their thing and make sure people know. I also really quickly will say that I do. I know Jared, you said that the lyrics didn't really resonate with you. I do th- like that the roots go in a little bit more of a I guess you could argue intellectual realm. A lot of their lyrics aren't necessarily traditional, kind of straightforward lyrics. They kind of um, do a lot of really smart bars. They do a lot of um, kind of interesting stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect from hip-hop, I suppose, in a lot of their songs. But yeah, I would say uh, overall, because I don't think I've even really, I usually don't uh, speak very clearly on uh, things. I, I usually just kind of lead the flow of things. I really liked The Roots. I I don't think there was really an album that we listened to that I didn't really enjoy quite a bit. There wasn't an album that I thought was a weak album. There were albums I didn't love as much, but there was really nothing that I inherently didn't like this week. I liked pretty much everything we listened to. Not everything was like, you know, super standout necessarily. Not Again, like not a lot of this is a uh, mainstream hip hop that has a lot of like hits that you're going to be expecting. But I think overall albums flow really well. Um, there's not really songs that miss as much as maybe albums. Like I would say that like Illadelph Half-Life, I like that album, but maybe there's a little bit more um, filler in that one compared to some of the other albums. Uh, but really overall, I liked The Roots quite a bit this week. I really enjoyed that we got to to cover them and I got to listen to a lot of things from them that you know I, I'm not as familiar with. I was familiar with Phrenology. I was familiar with Things Fall Apart. But outside of that, really... I had never listened to Game Theory, Undone, their early work, like any of those things I had not really got to kind of dig into like I did this week. So I'm glad we did it. Huzzah. Yeah, they're quite good. I don't think, I think anyone who enjoys hip hop would like them, but anyone who's into the Neo Soul stuff, which there's no reason not to be into it, Jared. Yeah, Jared. Okay. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> uh, it, Neo Soul and uh, the use of of even some like new jazz elements it all kind of fits really well into modern hip-hop i'm really actually what i would be really interested to see and uh the roots could do it if they wanted to because they'd be pretty good at it, is like a new jazz hip-hop situation i think they like, could do that when, pretty well. and when i think of new jazz you know i typically i like to think of uh i like to think of uh the comet is coming type style you know right i can but see that in- the kind of electric form of jazz that obviously with a, a the instruments that they kind of incorporate in their music would fit pretty well if they did it yeah i think it would be pretty interesting so i'd love to hear some new jazz stylings into some hip-hop stuff right at some point maybe the roots would want to do it if not someone else can do it and it would definitely be with uh 
with influence of the roots earlier music sure. so and i do i do think worth mentioning very briefly is that the roots are very influential just kind of overall even if they're not considered one of like i guess the most prominent hip-hop artists slash groups um because really you know it's not the big mainstream sound anymore because we're kind of in the trenches of trap rap at this point in time um but the neo soul kind of style of hip-hop uh is still a very big prominent and well-praised version of hip-hop and i think that you know they they didn't you know necessarily invent that wheel but they certainly in many ways um made that wheel a lot more uh noticeable and they released a lot of music that made it more notable for people to do it in the future Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we were talking about The Roots, and next week we're going to be talking about Rage Against the Machine. Big old shift out here as usual. Check out our social media bits. Primarily check out recordroundtable.com where you can find pretty much everything. If you are interested, follow us on Patreon where you can, you know, do lots of other stuff that's involved with us support us and all that jazz check out our sister podcast good band bad band our next episode is going to be wham of god wham of god worth checking out thanks for listening goodbye